The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know. I don't know how that happened. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the More You Noble Sports Podcast. I am Mike Noble uh, on Twitter, at more underscore noble. I'm joined here with Caleb Noble. Again, I'm not even going to give his Twitter handle. We know it's garbage. It's something about Salsa Verde or Verde Salsa or or whatever it is. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Look, we are incredibly, incredibly excited as we have a special guest with us today. And uh, we have the Cardinals game here on on the the screen, and we're, we're doing this, and pretty tense times right here. First of all, really, really super excited to uh, have our first guest. Um, he is the lead writer of the league winners do- at the winners.com has his own podcast called the fantasy newsroom and is currently working on a new series over at league winners to help prepare uh, for the upcoming football season. Fantasy guru, Hazelwood West alum and the original driver of the Phoenix suns bus. Bandwagon bus, Matt Seward. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing tonight? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm I'm awesome. I'm excited to be on. And you know, after the trying night of last night, and then Gallegos blowing that lead just moments ago, it's it's been a rough 24 hours. Whoo, man! Let me tell you what. Like Sosa makes a pretty nice play there. I'm not even paying attention to what's going. I think we Caleb is not worried about the podcast right now. He seems to be really tuned in on the Cardinals. I thought we had this one. We could be sitting six games out as of tonight, but you know, well, we're not. So this one, (laughs) right? How's everything else going? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, Everything is in motion. I'm planning on going back to school, and outside of that, I'm I'm super excited for football season. Oh, 50 days, buddy. 50 days. We'll get to football here in a little bit, but it's hard to believe that that's not too seven weeks. Right, seven weeks, and then tomorrow night, Thursday night, kicks off. What is it? The Buccaneers and Cowboys. Cowboys. Yep. Oh, oh, is it at the Jerry Dome? Jerry World. Yep. I like the Jerry Dome. The house that Jerry built. The house that Jerry built. All right. Okay. Hey, first of all, okay, let's get to this right off the bat because, like I said in in your intro, the original bandwagon bus driver of the Phoenix Suns back when they were garbage and you were sitting in room 261 in my speech class and you kept telling me, just wait, Noble, just wait. Hey, kudos, shout out to your boys. So close, but that had to be an awesome ride for you. Yeah, it, it was super, super fun. You know, I, I actually didn't expect it myself. I was expecting uh, a good run, but not anything that I witnessed this past three, four weeks, even six weeks now, but it was fun, uh, and I really couldn't have picked a better team to lose to if I had to. I uh, respect Giannis, and, and watching the Bucks lift the trophy up for the first time since the 70s, it was really nice to see. So Devin Booker will be back. I know he will. I'm not too worried about it. Um, outside of that, I, I, I can't believe Chris Paul. I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Chris Paul, I think, was the sole driving reason. So we move yeah, on. He- Pulled a Houdini, didn't he? And then DeAndre Ayton sort of disappeared last night. Booker, look, everybody wants to blame a little bit of Devin Booker. Devin Booker was scoring 40, point, 40 points a night, you know. I thought for sure that when I saw Frank Kaminsky the third in the game <laughs> that you guys had no chance of losing. Uh, by the way, when did he become a third? Did that I, – I never heard Frank Kaminsky the third when he was in Wisconsin. And maybe that was just me. I didn't know that until you just mentioned it, so. It was on his jersey. It was on his jersey. I was like, wait, why is, what, when did he become a third? 
Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> See? Hey, the more you know. Yeah, right. I have a comment on that one. <laughs> right. All right. First of all, tell me that Chris Paul's not – I mean, look, first of all, he's 0-4, right, it, where when he's been up 2-0, right? I mean, he's lost four series when he's been up 2-0. Yeah, most tell of the Tell me he's history. not leaving to go to the Lakers, right? I mean, he's not going to be that guy, is he? I don't think he will be. I think he's going to take his player option and stay in Phoenix. As much as I actually don't want him to, I think he will. So you would prefer Cameron Payne to play every day at point guard? I would. And then I, I th- okay, so two years ago, if you remember, we brought in Ricky Rubio, who facilitates not on the same level as Paul, but he can facilitate. But the way campaign showed he can score is kind of the way our offense, I think, needs to run. Because we're a run-and-gun team. We have Bridges and Crowder and now Cam Johnson who can fire it from all cylinders. And you have Booker who can score at all three levels. I think you absolutely need a point guard that can, can bring energy. Because Chris Paul, when he's in, I don't, I don't trust his offense. And it proved this past series. And I don't know if it's a lingering hand injury. Um, I kind of lean – I want to lean that way. But I'm not, I'm not sure. I think he probably tore some ligaments in his hand back in the Clipper series. But outside of that, I'm not sure. But he, he never really could rejuvenate an offense from down 15, down 18. I think campaign's the guy. And, and now you bring in a guy that facilitates like Rubio. It could bring that balance that, that Paul had. And you get the offense explosionness of campaign. I'm, I'm not against it. And I'm not against making a run at a guy like Lonzo or a guy like Derrick Rose or a guy like even Damian Lillard to an extent, which I think is an outside shot. But yeah, do you see, like, I, I've heard the Lillard talk a little bit from some fans, from Phoenix fans. I don't see them trading. I mean, also, does Phoenix have the assets to give up? Draft to get us? I mean, that, right? I mean, I guess. I, I think you'd have to give up Bridges and Johnson. Do what? I think you'd have to give up Bridges and Johnson in future capital, which I don't, I'm, I'm against, but. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I, you know, I, a lot of talk about Lonzo maybe heading to. Uh, Charlotte to team up with with Lamelo. That'll be interesting yeah. to see if that happens. Right? Hey, Dennis Schroeder's out there. Right? Yeah. I'm not, I just don't. I just don't know about you know because Chris Paul, he played extremely well in, in some closeout games for us his past playoff run. He played well in the Nuggets series. He had games in the Clippers series where he had to show up and play big when Booker was cold. But the thing to me is, is when Booker's giving you forty a night, you have to win one of those games. Absolutely, and it, you know it, it's performances like this, and Kevin, I don't know what you think, but performances like this that from Paul, that when we start talking about the top five, even the top ten point guards of all time, it makes it tough for me to put Chris Paul into that category. What do you think? I don't agree with that. Chris Paul's a top five point guard in my eyes. He always will be. I mean, to see the way he played this year, I, I mean, obviously the recency bias is going to go to what he just did, but I was in the camp that thought he was a top five MVP candidate for the regular season because what he, he, I mean, he brings so much to a team. But, um, I mean, he's aging, and it sucks. I really thought this was going to be the one that he was going to get because it just seemed like everything was there for him. They were hot. And it seemed like those Cinderella stories come every single year in every sport. And when those come, like when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, nobody was going to beat them. Right. It was just destined to happen. That's kind of how I felt with the Suns, but I guess Giannis I, had different I, I think that Cinderella story just came in Milwaukee instead of Phoenix. Uh, or maybe or maybe it's halfway through. Right. Well, right. Milwaukee's not the same because Milwaukee's been there. They've been expected to be where they were. They just never pulled it through. But I don't know. I, I, I like Chris Paul. I would, and those, why are you thinking Lonzo's going to leave the Pelicans? Because they said today <laughs> that they're not going to re-sign him. Yeah, he's uh, not going to New Orleans. He's not staying. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said they could do a sign-and-trade, but that would be the only thing that they would do. 
Um, so he is obviously gone. And I it looks like maybe, maybe Stephen Adams is gone as well. I'm going to be interested as, as a guy who roots for the Pelicans a little bit. I'm going to be interested to see what happens down there. If, if Chris Paul goes, you've got a pretty got nice nucleus there in Phoenix. I mean, shout out to Cam Johnson, former Tar Heel, big fan. Uh, nice to see him really step it up. I thought he played really well this playoff. Yeah, he should have seen more minutes. He, he should have. Uh, agreed. I just think it's tough when you get when you get into the playoffs, especially in the NBA. Man, the rotations tighten up, and you know Jay Crowder is such a valuable piece on the floor, right? He is. Yeah, and then you know, and and Bridges has become both the Bridges, but you know Bridges McHale out there has become so good. It's just hard, I, you know. But when Aiton was struggling, you almost think you know if Milwaukee was bringing Portis in, for instance. Energy, maybe that's what they need to do more with Cam Johnson. Yeah, and that's what it, that's my biggest thing is I well, so I want to comment on two things that actually Caleb said. I don't think he's a top five point guard ever, but I do think he was a top five MVP player ever. But I mean, not ever this season. My bad. This, right. Then, but um, the thing that doesn't matter about to me that is that Nikola Jokic was your MVP winner and he got swept. Right. right. So. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sold that that is a selling point on why his season was the way it was. The legacy defining part to me of Chris Paul's season was this playoff run. He needed this championship, and this was, in my opinion, his best window to get it. And then you also yeah. mentioned that this was destined to happen. It felt like it was just meant to be, and then it didn't because of Chris Paul. So I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons and a lot of fingers to point. I also think Aiton went ghost there, and that I think he was ghost in that whole Buck series after Game One. I don't know. I've never seen a seven-foot seven big man just hook shot as much as he does. I don't know why he doesn't use his body, but maybe he's banged up from having Giannis run into him. I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, right. I was going to say, and, and speaking of cementing your legacy, I mean, Giannis just did that. I mean, a 50-point effort in a, in a championship game. In a closeout. Six, uh, I mean, good Lord, right? Yeah, I think actually – more legacy to finding for Giannis than it probably was Chris Paul because I don't think Chris Paul was ever going to get into that upper echelon, that top three of all time or point guards wise. I think Giannis could go into the top five all time ever if on this I mean, track record, right? Hey, don't so, you all believe that they really screwed up by not putting Giannis in Space Jam? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why, why wasn't he the guy? I mean, yeah, right. Why put this bum ass LeBron James in this, from what I've heard from everybody, awful movie. Let's get somebody with a little more like pizzazz and let's get Giannis out there, right? Let's get John Morant out there. Let's get Zion in the, uh, in space jam, not LeBron. No, I agree with that. And you probably don't have to do all the, the hooking and the wiring for LeBron and do all those dunks. Giannis can probably just do them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but what, well, I'll tell you what I love. I can't, Kim and I talk about this on here, but we talk about it a lot. Uh, we are massive Drew holiday fans. So while I was rooting for Phoenix, I was super stoked to watch that guy get a ring. Yeah, man. I so coming into the series, I for sure thought the Suns were just an all-around better team. I, I sat there and I I thought it out, and I was like, the only way that I think the Bucks can win this series is if the Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday both get hot, because I think they're going to need them both. Right? You're going to get a Chris Middleton. It's going to happen. A Chris Middleton forty-point game is bound to happen in a seven-game series. A Drew Holiday defensive shutout's bound to happen. Right? So you just got to play with the grain and hope to beat it. Yep. And every time it happened, we lost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I mean, you know, it seemed like for the first couple of games, they had P.J. Tucker 
who I guess beat a former Rocket in every round to get former to son the, as well to win a championship. So you know it was uh, pretty interesting to see that. I but knew, I knew that the Suns were in a little bit of trouble when I heard Kendrick Perkins predicting you guys to win because <laughs> that dude is wrong about <laughs> nearly everything he says. I love him though. I love Big Perk. I, I'm not gonna lie. I like him. I think he's he's fun, but you are right. He is wrong on almost everything he ever says. Like he's always saying something <laughs> four. I was like, uh oh. No, I didn't think when we, it was going back to Milwaukee, and I'm sitting there, and uh, one of my, you know, Ethan, uh, Mr. Noble, you might not remember Ethan. He's a big Suns fan as well. Uh, he he was telling me, "Oh, dude, this series is over. It's over." I was like, Ethan, literally, <laughs> we're going back to Milwaukee where they're eight and one. The series is not over. We just did what we were supposed to do. Like that's literally all that happened. Yeah, and I don't want to keep stepping on your uh, Suns here by any stretch because, like I said, I was rooting for them. But how cool was that scene in Milwaukee last night? Oh, it was awesome, and I, I saw some videos this morning of Giannis at like uh, Chick Fil A, yeah. and it's and he's just such a likable guy. Like I can't sit there and be like, "Oh, I can't believe we lost." I'm like, I'm just like, "Uh, we'll get him, we'll get it again, right?" So, and don't I, I mean, as an NBA fan, and I I have a lot of buddies who give me a lot of crap for being an NBA fan. I think it's awesome to see a, a non super team win. I'm glad the Nets didn't get there. I'm glad the Lakers didn't get there. This it was fantastic to see Phoenix and Milwaukee. In the NBA Finals. That's how, that's how every sport should be. Super teams need to be done in every sport. I'm sick and tired of LeBron and Kevin Durant. I want them both to retire tomorrow. Because <laughs> they started this shit. And it just <laughs> keeps going. It really, really makes me mad. Everyone talks about the Bulls. Dennis Rodman was widely known as, like, done. Right. Before he got to the Bulls. Now he's got this huge, huge legacy of that being a super team. It was a super team because Michael made it a super team. Right. his play. Right. It wasn't a super team because he said, Scotty, get over here. He didn't go get Barkley. He didn't go get Bosch and, Reggie Miller. He didn't go get Bosch and LeBron to come to <laughs> South Beach and make an HBO fucking special about it. <laughs> he was just better than everyone else. Yes. And now we've got these guys, and thank God they finally did it. Like, that's why I wanted Damian Lillard to do it. I still hope he does, but he's been way against the super teams forever. Right. And I want him to get a ring because I that, there's something respectable, respectable about that. Like, I'm sick. It would be like if the Yankees went and got Trout, Parker, Juan Soto and everybody in the league and said, oh, we won a championship, let's celebrate it. No, you bought a championship. Remember when the Eagles tried that in the NFL and ended up not even making the playoffs? Yep, I was just about actually about to mention that. (laughs) And I do think if Lillard goes to Phoenix, like let's just think outside the box, which I don't think, I agree with Caleb, I don't think he's leaving Portland. I don't either. If he does, I don't consider that going to a super, like I don't consider that a super team, but I would love, I would love to see Dane and Devin Booker in the backcourt every freaking night. Oh, I think it would be a super team. I mean, yeah, but I don't. It's like I don't consider, like I don't know, like when Durant went to Golden State, or when Harden and everybody went to Brooklyn, or when LeBron just keeps recruiting everybody. You know, CP3 is going to the Lakers, and here's the thing: I'm okay with that because all that means the Lakers aren't going to win. I don't think. I I hope he doesn't. And does stop stop disrespecting CP3? (laughs) First, (laughs) I'm just hey. All I can talk are facts. I can only speak on facts. Has he won a championship? (laughs) <laughs> the only player on the no, it's a, it's a yes, no answer. Imagine trying to win a championship. Has with, he won a championship? Imagine trying to win a, a championship with DeAndre Jordan and fucking Blake Griffin throwing soup in people's faces <laughs> that are working around the clubhouse. That, that wasn't the question. Has he won a championship? <laughs> no. So he's not going to. So go wait, to, wait. I want him to go to LA. Wait, I want to say something. I want. I have a question, Caleb, because he makes a great point. He was also in Houston when they were going to a, the best team in the conference against the Golden State Warriors. With James Harden and lost. <laughs> yeah, James Harden's the worst playoff player to ever play in the playoffs. The I'm just – well, really that good. might be Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul. It might be Chris Paul. 
Okay, it's not. You want to know why it's not? Chris Paul got to the finals. James Harden doesn't even know how to score a point. A bu- he can't make a three in the playoffs. Yeah, he was pretty It's bad. the craziest thing I've ever seen. Also, he turns from fear the beard to just, like, complete and utter trash. How was he fat one day in Houston, got on a plane and flew to Brooklyn, and then he wasn't fat I, anymore? I think he ran to Brooklyn. I think he ran from Houston up to Brooklyn. And then by the end of the year, he was kind of fat again. Yeah. I don't know what he does. I think he just eats in and out Burger all the I, time. Maybe. Do they have this in Brooklyn? I think – I mean, no, he ran in and out. He went to Cat's Deli in New York. <laughs> a bunch of uh, pastrami sandwiches is what he did. Did that get that? Yeah, hey! That sounded that sounded good. Walk off win, Yachty. There we go. All right. Sorry, we got really excited. <laughs> sorry, we apologize to all of you. Kill might have just blown your ears out. I apologize. I'm not really sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, just a couple more NBA things I wanted to talk about with you. Um, next year, uh, how do you see this draft coming up? Was it next week or is it in two? When is the draft? Is it next week or two? A weeks? week from tomorrow. That's why I thought. How do you see it playing out? You see anybody? that you think is an absolute difference maker in that top five or top 10. Uh, what do you see there? I think Cade Cunningham's a difference maker. Yeah. I think he reminds me a lot of a younger, I want to say like a mix of Dwayne Wade and Donovan Mitchell. Like oh, I see it. Quite the, boy, oh boy, that's a big. Uh, well, it's not picture. like I'm comparing that, they, that the talent level we play. He's got a similar play style. No, 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 I get it. I, I wasn't, I'm saying that's big. For, I mean, I'm on board. I agree. I think Cade Cunningham is far and away the most predictable and definitely the best. Like, if you take the first pick, and there might be someone that ends up being better than Kay Cunningham, but if Kay Cunningham becomes a bust, you can still live with that pick because it's the obvious one. Right. But to me, the one that I think is – I think the best player coming out of the draft, we look back at 10 years, is going to be Jalen Suggs. Whoa, Jalen Suggs. <laughs> that dude, uh, he, just, he just shows up when he needs to show up. I, I think he's a stud. Just one of the most talented guys. I think the most talented guy in the draft athletically. Um, but I think Jalen Suggs is – he's just incredible. So do you think he goes number two, Matt? You think Suggs goes – I mean, I, I assume that – No, I, I, I think right? Suggs is going to go three to Houston. Oh, who do you think goes two? Well, three is Cleveland. Oh, Houston's two, right? Yeah, Houston's two. Oh, then, yeah, I would say Suggs goes two. Yeah, I think so, too. I think – you know, I here's the thing. That Houston team got rid of a bunch of knuckleheads, and John Wall's kind of a knucklehead, but he's there. I like John But Wall. they're kind of fun. They, they had Porter – who Cleveland just gave away. Porter's a stud. I know, they just gave him away. And now all of a sudden they've got these young guys there playing well. And they're kind of excited. They got uh, Oladipo. No, he's in uh, Miami. Miami. He got tra- oh, he did get traded yeah. Miami. Yeah, they, they got Christian Wood. Yeah, Christian Wood. Um, Kelly Olenek looks like Gonzaga Kelly Olenek. Yeah. Yeah, so, they've accelerated their rebuild probably a year, I would say. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. You heard this rumor. I just heard this today on one of the boards I was on. Maybe Kyle Lowry to New Orleans. And what do you think about that? So I think that's a big – I think that needs to happen, actually, because I've heard not necessarily rumors, but, you know, some fans and some people around the NBA community kind of whisper the idea of Zion wanting out and, yeah. and all that. And that's a huge thing in New Orleans. It is a smaller market when it comes to the NBA. You got to keep Zion, and you got to do whatever makes him happy. So, go getting him an all-star point guard in Kyle Lowry, and even another big man. You got to do it. You got to pay the piper and go get the guys that he wants and he needs, and build this, build a team around him. Build See, I personally think they've got the big man there. They just played the wrong one. I really like Hernan Gomez. I think he brings. He's he's not your typical five. I understand that, but there there aren't many of those guys in the league anymore. I think he plays well. I think Jackson Hayes plays well. I was well. going to say, I think you're right that they have the guy. And it might be Jackson Hayes. I think it's Jackson Hayes. Yeah, that we haven't seen can, enough of him. He only gets 11, 12 minutes a night. That guy can jump out of the gym. Yeah. 
I think here's my prediction. I'll take a hot take. It's on air. Um, I hot think take. Kyle Lowry goes to LA. We've had that rumor for a while. Yeah, I don't think LA. that. I think Chris Paul ends his career in back, New Orleans. Back in New back Orleans. Where he started. So you just put the Kirks on my boys in New Orleans then. No, because I think <laughs> when you it championship, you're going to sing his praises. You're going to sing his praises next year when he gets a championship with New Orleans, <laughs> and we can come back to this moment when I call him. Okay, all right, all right. No Top five point five. It was all you had too much Starbucks. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by this draft. I'm intrigued by our boy Io here in Illinois to see where he ends up. Yeah. I don't know if he goes late first round. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know what's a good fit for him. I don't know what's a good development place for him. I'm just kind of intrigued to see where he goes. Houston has what three of the top twenty four picks, so that's kind of. A, I mean, they're sitting pretty right now. Yeah, and like I, like I brought up early, they got Kevin Porter, who I think is absolutely the guy you got to build around. I don't how, necessarily. How is Cleveland? Like, what what the hell goes on in Cleveland, Matt? I don't know because I also think they're going to get rid of Colin Sexton, and I think that's a mistake. So I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, I do love Darius Garland. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I do love Darius Garland. I can see Bill, but I don't understand. I mean, why don't you build around he and Sexton and Nance, and they got Jared Allen from Brooklyn. Like, that that's a pretty strong nucleus right there. And then they had the rookie also who got hurt there at the end. I, his name escapes me, but he was playing forward off the bench. Um, but, you know, you got a nice nucleus there. I don't get it. I don't get what goes on there. Well, yeah, and I also think that bringing up Jared Allen's a good point. That guy is a defensive juggernaut. I mean, he is a this, He's incredible. Like, this guy is a guy you can station in there for 25 to 30 minutes a game, and he is going to play his heart out every night. So, I don't get I what think, goes on in Cleveland. I think if the um, if the, if the the Nets kept Jared Allen found a way to make that happen when they got Harden, I think they might have won it all. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure that, that he was a big well, so much missing was that guy that can get James Harden's 50 bricks in the playoffs <laughs> and get kicked out to Durant so he can make one. But or Kyrie or whoever was injured at the time, but I don't know. I, I like Jared Allen a lot. I, th- I don't. I, I don't think, think that was the p- underrated player. I agree with that. I don't think that was the piece the Nets were missing, though. I think the piece the Nets were missing was the three point line being half an inch above where it was. Like <laughs> yeah, Kevin Durant's big ass foot. Right. I think that was honestly the piece because who knows what the world's like today if that happened, right? Oh so. my God! Could you? Who <laughs> might? Jay Z. Jay Z. Jay Z might be partying in Brooklyn. Right. What? One last thing I did want to talk about, it, and then we'll move on from the NBA. First of all, big Pat Connaughton fan here, right? Notre Dame. I mean, you're talking about one of the best athletes to come out of Notre Dame. He's throwing 96 off the bump. Was going to probably be a top 10 pick in the MLB. Said I'm going to play in the NBA, and everybody looked at him like. Dude, you're you know what are you doing? And I, it was awesome to see him in at crunch time, ball in his hands. Did not look good at the free throw line, but it was still good to see. Yeah, and I actually think he was a key player in this series. He was the guy that was the momentum killer for the Suns. It felt like he was the guy that we'd get you know down nine in game three or down eleven in game four. He felt that was the guy that when the Suns would inch back by six, inch back by five, he was there hitting a dagger. Yep. Um, he's a guy that is. He kind of plays the same role that Cam Johnson played in this series as well. And it showed that Connington needed more minutes, and they gave it to him over the course of the series, which did not happen for Cam Johnson. Yeah, and he was I, in there crunch time every night. I actually have a question. I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've been watching the Cardinal games a lot. I didn't have a full-on view of the Suns. And, like, I didn't watch every minute of every game. How did the – so the Suns were just completely killing the Bucks on boards the first two games. What changed? Well, I think we got out-rebounding in every single game at the end. I think at the end of the game, out-rebounding in every single game. 
which isn't going to help you win a series. But what changed is, is I think Monty Williams, honest to God, I love him. And he's a role model for every coach that ever wants to be. He's a great, great coach. He led this team from 8-0 in the bubble last year to finals run this year. But I think the two biggest reasons were Chris Paul and Monty Williams. I think that there was no energy, right? Booker dropped 40 and it felt like he dropped 25. I mean, I didn't feel that the Suns wanted it to win. I didn't feel like they were crashing the boards hard enough. I didn't feel like they were playing defense. It felt like last night all they were doing was trying to draw a foul. It sure did feel that way. Like, I was sitting there, and I'm like, Devin Booker, just go. Come on. Like, I know. Like, I'm okay with you shooting 30 shots a night and you making 10. Like, I am happy if you do that. But I'm not okay with you shooting 25 and trying to draw a foul every time you come down the court. Yeah, I was talking to my, I was talking to my dad before the game started. We were talking about who do you think Drew Holiday's going to be on all this. And I was like, if I'm, if I'm the, um, if I'm the Bucks, I say give Booker his 40 to 45 and stop everyone else because Booker's going to score his points on Drew Holiday on anyone. Give him his 45 points and eliminate Chris Paul with Drew Holiday, and that's probably going to be a win because 45 points from one player. The reason the Suns were so good because they were getting 10, 15, 20 from everybody. Right. If you can just eliminate the other, the big boys, Aiden and Paul, and just give Booker his 45, doesn't his 45 doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I agree with that. One, one last thing I do want to say, I was dying laughing today. I was reading a stat on the NBA, um, and it just made me laugh so hard. As, a, as an NBA DFS guy, and we're going to get to fantasy stuff, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, P.J. Tucker last night, did you see his line? What was it, like zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists? He played like 36 minutes. He got a bunch of rebounds, right? He got – I'm trying to see if I can find it exactly. If I can, it's no big deal. He had one shot attempt. Nice. Some rebounds and everything else. But there he is just mixing it up. Here it is. Um, Oh, no, I I can't find it. But that's okay. I thought I had it pulled up. But I was dying laughing because he's like the hide-and-seek champion in DFS. Like, he'll play 35 minutes and he'll get you like six – Six points, and then he'll come out and he'll do 40. But you never know what's P.J. Tucker you're going to get. You just know that on an NBA team, that's the guy you want. Yeah, with the with DFS, actually, story because with P.J. Tucker, you better hope he hits like three threes in the first quarter or you're not getting anything from him. That's exactly right. Because, <laughs> I mean, and last night, oh, here it is. Here, you ready? All right. He was a game high plus 13, which is P.J. Tucker in real life, right? Right, there you go. One shot. He played 36 minutes, was 0 for 1 from the field. 0 for 1 from the three-point line, zero free throws, six rebounds, one assist, one steal, one turnover. That's a whopping seven and a half, ten. That's a whopping nine fantasy points. <laughs> like 36 minutes. <laughs> it's like Tony Snell that one year. He played like <laughs> yeah, 39. They're both champions. That's what I call them. They, they, they're on the court, but they're hiding the entire time. It's like they're not even out there. So I was dying laughing when I read that this morning because I was like, that so sums up my DFS every time I went to P.J. Tucker. Yeah, I, I can't agree more with that, actually. That's perfectly perfectly stated. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the NFL a little bit. Like I said, 50 days today, right? 50 days. So seven weeks from tomorrow, we start with, with uh, Tom who said, right, uh, the only thing I really want to do is go undefeated. It's the only thing I've missed in my career. He starts with Dak. Um, obviously, I, I want to. I'm hoping, we're hoping, Caleb and I, that we can get you on quite a bit leading into the NFL season to go through some fantasy stuff. You up for that? Oh, I'm I'm always always down, always excited. I lo- I, I talk anything football all day. So awesome, yeah. And we, you know, we'd like to do as much. Uh, I mean, we do the DFS a little bit, and we have our leagues and everything else. But you know, I, I know that a lot of our listeners and a lot of the guys who listen are fantasy football players. So any tips we can give them and have you on, I think, will be awesome for everybody. Yeah, I can. I. 
I've been doing it all off season. I do a lot of like dynasty leagues where your team carries over year to year. Yeah. So I, I break down a lot of that. I um I've been getting into DFS. I'm trying to learn the ropes and the curves of DFS this year. So I'm I'm always excited, always down to talk football. Awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk let's talk about it. Obviously, let's just come right out of the gates here. Um everybody in LA was pretty doggone excited getting Matt Stafford, who I personally I believe like is the hidden gem in the NFL. Like he's just been up there in, in Detroit and everybody would say, well, he had Calvin Johnson. Hall of Famer. Like that's all he had was Calvin Johnson. <laughs> like let's be, he only had Calvin Johnson. And I think going out there in the McVay offense is really, really strong. But then, and I know he's one of your favorite dudes, Cam Akers gets hurt. So what do you think the repercussions, I mean, do you think they go running back by committee there in the, with the Rams? Do you think they go out and they get a guy? Do they go get Todd Gurley? What do you think they do? So that, that's something that's so tough to, to call. Like, as we said, there are 50 days. Uh, the Rams did wave a wide receiver yesterday. They, they cleared a room on the, on the roster. So, like, you're going to – like, with fantasy-wise, you're going to see Daryl Henderson, who was the backup who they spent the second-round pick on just two years ago. You're going to see him climb to the fifth and fourth rounds in fantasy drafts. I'm, I'm going to avoid him there. I think that's too high. I think they are going to use some sort of a committee. I think Henderson's going to see – majority of snaps but that majority is not going to be over a 65 percent threshold so but other than that I think it's a major blow for the Rams I think that Cam Akers was a guy that they could pound the rock with a guy that was actually a lot different than Gurley how Gurley was in the base system we saw a lot of uh Gurley in fantasy championships just a few years ago in, in McVay's offense but I don't think that's what we were going to get from Akers I think we would have got a lot of league winning potential but I don't think it would have been in the same format um Speaking on Cam Akers, it was a brutal blow, and uh, torn Achilles are usually the a death, yeah. sen- a death sentence for running backs. It's it's where all your power and your push-off comes from, all your speed, elusiveness, agility, everything that you manufacture as a running back, the way you move, it, it all comes from that Achilles tendon. So I, I, I wish him the best in his recovery, and I hope he's an outlier for all of us to witness. But it, it's a major blow. It's a guy you just spent a second-round pick on to a year a year ago now. Well, absolutely. Our T's and P's go out to him for yeah. sure. I have a theory on NFL running backs that I think I just came up with in my head. Look at the last couple the last couple of years. Strong based okay. in science okay. theory. No, I okay. All right. The last couple of years <laughs> I'm gonna make a good convincing point here. Okay. Um having an elite running back, Derek Henry, something like that, I don't think not only do I don't think you don't need it to win a championship, I think it hurts your chances to win a championship. Because how many times do they give Derek Henry the ball a year? 25, well, 25, 26. So we've seen the last couple of years, he's gassed by week 19. Gassed. And you look at the last couple of years, obviously Mahomes and Brady, all those guys. But um, they don't have – they have two, three running backs they can get the ball to. None of them get beat up the whole time. They all can get – they give you 150 yards each maybe sometimes. And and they don't – they're not beat up because they have another guy that can share the, share the rock. Who's the guy? Leonard Fournette, who was the other guy? They Ronald, had? Jones. Ronald, Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. Yeah. Playoff Lenny. And they – and I think that's a better way to go about it almost by committee because running back is a position you will get beat up every single Sunday. I can't imagine the mindset they have to get into to get into a Sunday night football game. Emmett Smith has an gonna... argument against your thesis. I Emmett have an Smith argument. Played how many years ago? <laughs> I mean, it's a different, it's a different game. I know, I get it. It's a way get different it. game. It's a game built by quarterbacks. And speed. Who gets the, yeah. who, who gets the credit for winning a championship? Is it the running back or the quarterback? Right, right. right. If you have Matt Stafford as a quarterback, that I think, I think he's going to be really good this year. But I, I can't make his – I don't think he's necessarily a Derrick Henry type that they're going to give the ball to every single snap like they do with Derrick Henry. But I think if you have two to three serviceable guys, or even two, 
saw the Patriots do it for years. They never had an elite running back, really. I mean, that guy, he's not going to get beat up. He's not going to be dead. To be, to be fair, you have mentioned 17. two teams that the GOAT played on. Yeah, but I also mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Even um, last year, San Francisco got to the final. I mean, got to the last year Super they Bowl. Did that. San- two, two years ago. Last year. Right, two years ago. 2019. And they had an elite run game. Yeah. 2020. But they had two guys, right? They, they had the two guys. They had two, but they didn't have a guy that everyone's going to be like, oh, he's not a household name. They were a ground they didn't and pound have Le'Veon Bell prime Le'Veon Garoppolo Bell. threw the ball eight times and they won. I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm going over in my head thinking about all the elite running backs of the last 10 years. I think Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think what you're really doing, hold on, I think what you're Adrian really doing is giving a lot of like hope to the L.A. Rams fans right now. I mean, I, have, I think the Rams are going to be a good team. Yeah. I mean, they're going to compete to win that division. And I think they're going to, they, they're always in the mix to be in, in the playoffs to be dangerous. Let me know everyone's going to run into the Rams because Sean McVay is just a genius. <laughs> And just knows how to get stuff, get get it done. Right. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like um, big running backs like Kamara. We had, our best season we've had as a, we're Saints fans, by the way. So is Matt. Uh, so am I. No, <laughs> but um, our best, season, talk about the best season we had was with Kamara and Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. These two right. guys. Not Kamara. Kamara didn't play well at all in the playoffs this year. He was gassed. Just a theory. <laughs> Thoughts there, man. I'm gonna let you take that. So my, my thoughts here is I don't think it, it matters. I don't, I don't think that matters at all. I think the argument you would try to make with running backs is how much money you spend on running backs, not necessarily if you have an elite one. Because if I have Derrick Henry on a rookie contract, I'm absolutely taking that over Daryl Williams and see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the Chiefs. Like, I don't think that's an argument anyone is going to ever make. Like You made an example with the Chiefs who had Patrick Mahomes and an example with Tom Brady who's the greatest quarterback, greatest player of all time on this planet when it comes to football. I, I don't see how that's a plausible argument. Tom Brady also did have elite run games in New England okay. for multiple, <laughs> for multiple of those say, Super Bowl runs. I was going to say Clyde Denver-Hilaire over, over oh, Derrick Henry. Henry. Right. But what I will say is I will take Clyde Denver-Hilaire and another B-type running back, two B-type running backs over one A-plus running back. That's what, another, I, that's what I'm saying. Another, Not individually one over the other. I would no, say that ideally what I'm saying is Derrick Henry over the course of a get, long playoff. Derrick Henry should get two thirds of the touches he gets throughout the season, and then you have another guy that can just they can just get a third down. Not a third down guy; he's a third down guy. But I get you a chunk of yards and just take take some of the odds. Just take some of the hits from away from Derrick Henry. I obviously you want an elite running back. Everyone wants an elite running back, but you get that guy and you compare him with another average guy that can take just 50, 60 hits off of him from the year. I mean, I don't know the difference that can make that. I imagine it can be pretty dramatic. Absolutely. I do agree point. with that. Well, I think that falls more on coaching than it does Derrick Henry, though, because if Derrick Henry is going to task to carry it 330 times, I'm not blaming that on Derrick Henry. Oh, I'm not blaming Derrick Henry for anything. Right. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to blame – oh, my God, what's his name? What's the coach for the Titans? I'm blaming him. Mike um, Vrabel. Some of my favorite coaches. Matt, Mike, Vra- yeah. Mike Vrabel. Yeah, yeah I'm not, Mike Vrabel knows more about football than most people that ever live. But – I, I just think I think that that Titans team is going to be really really good if they have. I do think Derrick Henry and another guy that can just take some. Take I think some to support your thesis, you might not. You might. What do you? And you can chime in here in just a second, Matt, with this because I'm interested in what you think. I think Henry might not get as many carries this year. You've got Julio. You've got uh, Brown. I mean, you've got a lot more you know, weapons of there. Right. So, what do you think about that? I actually disagree. You I think, think the other way. I well, I don't think he raises and touches, but I I'm not in, like expecting a like a dr- big drop off that's significant enough to like matter. I think it's going to be 
all right, you're going to double Julio, double A.J. Brown. Thanks for emptying the, the box on us. I Derrick Henry run it for 12 yards a carry. Oh, you want to load the box? Now we'll throw it. Right. Like, it's going to be scheme, it's going to be all scheme to bend it. Monster year. I yeah. definitely believe He's that. the best running back in football. Like him and I don't, I don't agree with that. Christian McCaffrey. I don't agree that he's the best running back in football. But yeah. I agree. Nick McCaffrey is? I think Nick Chubb is the best pure running back in football. You would take Nick Chubb on your team over Derrick Henry? Absolutely. For what reasons? Uh, he, he is a way more efficient running back. He's been the most efficient running back, according to PFF, like the last two seasons. He averages over like 5.7 yards per touch. He's extremely, extremely efficient when every time he touches the ball, and whether that's because of a shorter sample size and not as many touches as Henry, I'm not too sure. And again, I love Derrick Henry, but we're almost getting to that age now where we where you got to expect regression, right? I mean, he just posted a monster 2,000-yard season. There's never been a running back in history to post another one after that, right? So, yeah, but so Matt, if you hold on, hold on. Hold on. No, I have a point. <laughs> I, uh, so I agree with you. I think Nick Chubb's great. You know who Nick Chubb has? He has Kareem Hunt. No, that's fair, and I, I'm not actually arguing that. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing <laughs> hey, with that. On, you should see this guy. You should see how proud of himself he is right now. What? Why, why is that? <laughs> well, I don't think that. Why? That doesn't discredit Nick Chubb, though. No, I'm telling you, your previous point of not wanting two guys like Derek. He Henry, didn't say he didn't want. Two I'm just guys. saying my point is validated. If Nick <laughs> Chubb is the best, because he's not taking an ass whooping every week. Because Kareem Hunt takes part of that ass whooping. Well, that's because that's again, but that's coaching. Like they don't have to give Derrick Henry the ball every play. That is they, very they, do, they, they choose to. Like I would rather have Derrick Henry, A plus Derrick Henry, and B minus Darrington Evans over B plus C H and B Daryl Williams. Like right. <laughs> I would much rather have Derrick Henry. And again, Der- and track record shows if, if we're just speci- uh, specifying Derrick Henry that. He gets better as the season goes on. Like you look at his fantasy production, it starts off slow and he gets hot towards your playoffs. You can look at yards per carry, yards per touch, yards per opportunity. It all goes up towards the end of the season. He gets hot towards December. It's it happened the last two years now. So I don't think that's even necessarily the most valid of arguments with Derrick Henry, if that's who we're just going to talk about, because he, he gets better as the year goes on every single year. And that's because, like I was going to say, all you have to do is go check out Derrick Henry's Instagram or his Twitter, and that man's workout routine, he is doing squats on medicine balls and things like I, – I don't even think he's human. He was famous in Alabama for being – like I remember hearing about him before he was even like – before he was Derrick Henry yet, when he had just gotten recruited. And they're like, this guy's insane. He's doing two-a-days, like more than – like each workout being more than what other guys were doing once. Yeah. And that's why he's just absolutely a monster. I think he built and, himself and, I mean, for January. I think. I mean, I think he I, he did look gassed in the playoffs. I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah. I don't know if that was more of him being gassed or more of them not trusting Ryan Tan- the defense not being afraid of Ryan Tannehill. But they're gonna have to be a little bit afraid of him because Julio Jones this year. Afraid of him because you don't really even have to throw the ball right to Julio. He'll just go up and get it. So Matt, let, while we're talking about Alabama running backs, talk to me. What do you think that? What do you think Najee's uh, impact is in Pittsburgh? Because I think it's huge. Camp today, looking svelte. He did. Right? He looked pretty good. Not a he looked great. Podcast. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead, Matt. I want. I want to say that I think Najee is going to be this year, especially. I think he's going to be a good value in fantasy, but I also think he's going to be a good value in real life football. You saw that Pittsburgh team struggle without that their run game, right? You had Big Ben having to do two yard dump offs all damn day because you didn't have a running game, right? So, I'm I'm a big fan of the pick. 
And then they addressed tight end again, which I like Pat Fryermuth uh, from Penn State. So I'm a fan of what they did in the draft. I think Nachi's going to have a big impact on that whole offense. I think it's going to open the field up for Chase Claypool, who shined as a rookie. I think it's going to open the field up for uh, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, who's st- still one of the best receiver cores in football. So I think this offense is going to be another, another t- tier up. And I don't think they lost too much on defense besides maybe a Bud Dupree who you got Melvin Ingram now who can play that rotational outside linebacker. So I'm not too sure that the Pittsburgh quiet and the Pittsburgh sleeping right now that I think they need to wake up. Uh, yeah. I think that AFC North is going to be pretty doggone interesting. You it's going to be a dog fight. Really? I mean, legitimately you've got, I, and I'm really my dude, Joey Burrow, what he can do coming back from that and that terrible injury. Well, so I'm a, I'm a big T. Higgins fan. I have been since he came out of college. And I, I loved what he did with Burrow. I loved everything that's kind of going on in Cincinnati. I hope he comes back from that injury ready to, ready to play. But, man, he could not have picked a better, a worse division to play in. I mean, you got the Browns, who I think are the second-best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs. I think you got the Ravens, who are, what, the fourth-best team in the AFC behind right. the Bills. And then you got the Steelers, who are going to be a sneaky wild-card team, who are going to play hard defense, they are going to run the football. And they're going to play gritty, gritty football. They're going to beat you up. And then you still got Tennessee. You still got Buffalo. You still got Indianapolis, right? So the AFC is just a brutal place to be. Right? And you've got San Diego, a healthy San Diego. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's I, if, like that would be if I was in Vegas, that would be my dark horse Super Bowl pick. Apologize, by the way, to all of our listeners in San Diego. I did not mean to do you like that. Yeah, Los, <laughs> Los Angeles. I went with the flow. I went. My apologies. My apologies there. Um, I I'm really intrigued to see Chase with back with Burrow. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I'm, last time Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow on the team together, you saw what happened. I think I think if you're if you're a Bengals fan, and I am not, I do like to watch I Joey love play. Joe Burrow, right. I I, I think that. if they go, I mean, this sounds terrible, but if they go six and eleven or seven and ten this year, I think that's that's considered major progress, that is right? So weird to hear. I it really is. I I'm not used to that. I, I agree, actually, because if they can pull out seven wins in that division, I would be ecstatic for their future. But the problem I have, and, and not to hate on your guys, Joe Burrow, but the problem I do have with Joe Burrow is I need to see him progress with the downfield throws, especially with the wide receiver core he has now. Like, I, I just, I mean, I'll beat the drum all day, all day and night for T. Higgins and how he played in his rookie season, one of my favorite players in the NFL. Uh, you just added a superstar. I mean, you added Jamar Chase. So I agree who I think enters the league as already going to be one of the top receivers in football. We're going to see a Justin Jefferson-esque talent already entering the league. So I'm all for the Cincinnati offense. I need to see the defense come together. I need to see them beat up Pittsburgh and beat up Baltimore and go to Cleveland and beat them. I need, I need to see some progress with Joe Burrow himself because even before that leg injury, I was, I was not sold that he was going to be the next star oh. superstar in the league. Don't you? I, I don't think we're ever going to be able to see Joe Burrow's long, um, down the field like long game. We're never going to be able to see what it can be until he gets guys that can stop him from getting killed every time. Yeah, he did look because every play like he's going to You can't killed. be afraid of getting hit, which obviously he shouldn't be anyway. But he doesn't even have time to look. To it seemed like every time he was dropping back and someone might be open, who knows who's going to hit him? It seemed like he was just getting demolished. Yeah, like to the point of where there are memes about him not knowing how to take a hit. We ended he was getting hit more than he's ever gotten. He, he had refs telling, "Hey, you might might want to like yeah. not getting hit." <laughs> no, yeah, and I agree with that. I think the offensive line is still a major concern in Cincinnati. I think honestly, I honestly so back in April before the draft, I tweeted out to all my uh, all my followers on Twitter. I made a bet with them. I said, "If the Cincinnati Bengals take Jamar Chase, I'll shave my head." 
because I was sold that they were taking Panay Sewell. So I still, I still so think they probably should have for a realistic rebuild if you, if you want to give Burrow the time. You had Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, you have weapons. I think you should have got Panay Sewell. So I ended up having to shave my head. Um, but <laughs> well, shout out to you for, for following through. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure about this, so I'm going to ask you just because, you know, did they take offensive line heavy in rounds two through five? They did take an offensive lineman in, I believe, was it round two? I know they two, took two one in three. day. They took one in day two. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm the name's blanking right now. Yeah, I, I almost did. think they. And actually, have, from what I heard, a really good. I one. almost think they should have gone at least two or. Th- if you're going to take Jamar Chase, and I'm always a guy that says take the best player available, because there's an offensive lineman kind of a lot of them come out of nowhere, just like they're Except not always for your best. Well, yeah, Sewell. I mean, Sewell's going to be incredible. Yeah. you're Quentin Nelson. Right, exactly. Quentin Nelson, yeah, Frederick. Yeah. But I think, I mean, if they could have taken just two or three in that rounds two to five, two to six area. I think they did. Just like value, just like guys that may not be the pancake blocker of the century like Sewell is. And just just give some kind of stability to the team. I think that, like, you look at the Browns, they rebuilt that offensive line fast. Well, every coach says you start with the line and you go back. So on both sides of the defense. The Browns went out from being one of Baker Mayfield getting killed in 10 this year had probably the best offensive line in football. Yeah, yeah they have the, they, I, I do think they have the best offensive line in football in Cleveland. But outside of that, they do have Jonah Williams returning from injury this year. And since he, he was their first-round pick back in 2019, it was. So they got him – or 2018, sorry. Uh, he, he played decent in 2019. Uh, we were hoping to see another step for progression back in 2020 before he went down and got hurt. So he, he'll come in. He'll stop that, that left side from opening up as much. Uh, Billy Price, we're still hoping to see that breakout from him entering his, I believe, 20, age 25 season now. So there there are some young upside pieces in Cincinnati, but we haven't really got a chance to see it as a one healthy unit quite yep, yet with I, Burrow with Burrow under center. So I'm excited. I, I'm ready for football. Let, the one thing, go, go ready. You can go do first. You, do you think that um, offensive line is the easiest projected, like the easiest to project a, um, like how valuable draft player is going to be? Because no. I I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that because if you play at North Dakota State, for example, and you're not facing the the big boys from Alabama that are obviously all around the league, just scattered about Clemson, do you think that you could take a big guy like that that's just massive and pancakes everyone down there? And do they have to be more dominant, or if you're just like a solid guy there, can you can you be drafted and be taken seriously? That's a well. So from my from my personal. Use. I've been scouting pretty heavily the last two years, and I would say my one of my hardest positions to scout would be offensive line. Um, I do like Quentin Myers out of a, uh, a D2, low-end D1 school, one of those schools that kind of flip-flops, uh, kind of like North Dakota State. It might have been North Dakota State. I mean, his school's blanking me. Quentin Myers, you went in the second round. I do like him a lot this year. But I, I feel like offensive line is, is a little stagnant, and that's why I thought Penny Sewell would have been just an instant lock. Like, you could have moved Jonah Williams back to right tackle, which he played in college, and then sat still at left tackle and never had to worry about it again for probably the remainder of Joe Burrow's career, right? That's so, what I was kind of thinking too, because I think I thought Sewell in the draft was the guy that you can take and without a doubt know he's going to be very, very good and valuable from the moment he steps on that field. I think he's a game changer, and I think Jamar Chase is up there with him as well. But there are a lot of guys taken before Sewell, and I was like, I don't. Like, yeah, he's really talented, but I don't know if he's as as big of a lock to just be dominant at their position as Sewell is, in my opinion. Well, I agree with that. I don't think – I think Sewell's more of a lock to be 
an elite tackle than Chase is to be an elite wide receiver. And that's just because I think there's we're in a league where there I could obviously name I think 20 elite wide receivers like I think we're entering that day and age where Mike Evans is still an elite wide receiver and he gets thought of as like the top 20th wide receiver in football right so there's a lot of good weapons out there right this year you had guys like Curtis Samuel hit the market who you could have gone and signed you had uh Antonio Brown who was still out there I think Tampa Bay is just gonna I think they might steamroll everybody they might play uh so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to see how the, the 2021 draft shapes out because I uh, – to, to kind of shift to- topic a little bit, I had Justin Fields ahead of Trevor Lawrence as, as one of my scouting grades. I had Justin Fields as my quarterback, one out of college, and he fell all the way to 10 in Chicago. So, Yeah, that's going to be – I'm intrigued to see what they do there. All right, a couple, just a couple other NFL things really quickly. The Saints, right? Um, they obviously say they're having an open competition as – we are all sitting here as Saints fans. In my mind, Taysom Hill is so much more valuable as that wild card, right? As that guy who you can line up in six different positions. You can put him wherever you want. Uh, Jameis looks great. Looks, I mean, looks like he can throw the ball. He's got a, a, one of the best offensive lines. Do you think? Do you think this is actually? Again, we got Sean Payton. He'll, he's never going to reveal his hand, right? And a lot of right. people out, to, out of New Orleans recently saying they think it's Taysom Hill's job to lose. I don't know that I buy into that. Are, are we dealing with a Steve Spurrier? Like we, we got uh, Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, or what are, what are you going to do here in, in New Orleans? I would start Taysom Hill. Really? I would comfortably start Taysom Hill. And here, this, this is the reason why. I think that the Saints are about to be a defensive-oriented team this year. I think that the defense didn't lose too many key players. You're going to have Cameron Jordan. You're going to have Marshawn Lattimore, hopefully. You just, signed, you just paid Marcus Williams big money, right? So – I'm I'm not sold that Jameis Winston is the guy for the for the job, and I don't think. Well, I think that Taysom Hill is the guy that's going to manage the game. He's going to feed Kamara. He's going to feed Michael Thomas. He's going to feed Adam Troutman. He's going to feed Traquan Smith and and Marquez Callaway and all them boys. So uh, I'm not sold that I want a gunslinger who's going to turn the ball over and a quarterback when we're going to rely heavily on our defense to win football games. I, I I understand that. I think you have to score points when you're in the in the same division with uh, an improved. Obviously, you've got Tampa there. You got an improved. What I believe is going to be improved Carolina team. Atlanta is going to. I I still think Matt Ryan can still throw the ball around. I I, I just think you're going to have to. I know that the defense is strong, and I love that. I I would love to see James get behind center. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I, I we are massive Taysom Hill fans, so I I like him wherever he lines up. I just feel like when you are preparing for an offense, like for the whole week, and you don't know where Taysom Hill is going to be, that's a lot harder than knowing that he is under center every play of every game. Okay, I've got three things. Okay, three quick things. I've never <laughs> seen, I just said. Um, one, Jameis Winston, I think, uh, obviously he had that crazy 30-30 season, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. That's almost hard to do. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know how he did that. How you can be so talented and so just mind-numbingly bad at times. But Bruce Arians' offense is a very high throw-the-pass, hope-we-catch-it offense. And obviously Tom Brady fits that perfectly because he doesn't turn the ball over very often. That's one. Two, um, I kind of think almost do a Kevin Cash-like thing with them. See who you're playing in that week. And if you've got, if you've got a, uh, a defense that struggles with containing a quarterback, I mean, Taysom Hill is the, the way to go, get some read options going. 
And if there's a team that does very has a lot of really good quarterback spies out there, it almost eliminates Taysom Hill's value. Because Taysom Hill's value is not as a gunslinger. You don't want Taysom Hill um, throwing the ball every other down. So I, I think you kind of got to feel it out for a little bit. Maybe, I mean, obviously preseason is going to be a big, a yeah. big thing. And I, I for, oh yeah, um, Trey Hendrickson, I think, is a huge loss for the defense. Because Trey Hendrickson, he was so dominant. He go to that, Cincinnati? Yeah. Yes. yeah. He was so dominant that he he made them have to come off of Cam Jordan a little bit. You couldn't just pound Cam Jordan. You had two guys that could get to the quarterback anytime. You still got and double saw, D down there. You saw how when he was injured and he was not at 100% as Tampa Bay, you saw how easily they contained Cam Jordan. And Trey Hendrickson from the other side, that game I think could have gone a lot differently if Trey Hendrickson was there. And they didn't really get anyone who can replace that value, I don't think, from, the, from a defensive standpoint. So I think – I agree with that. I think uh, Trey Hendrickson was a big piece for us, but I just don't think it made money sense to keep him. I think we have Marcus Davenport, who we really have not given a, a fair share of snaps to to see what he has. We just drafted Peyton Turner from Houston in the first round as another uh, outside rusher. So we got two guys there that can play rotational snaps and see who's who's better to force that other side. I think the more important thing that's going to be the entire season for the Saints is how well they fare at home. I think that's the one key advantage I see in every time they're at home is that the Saints can win at home. Yep. and. We saw with Taysom Hill. He went three and one last year as a starter. He lost to Philadelphia in a game where Jalen Hurts went win Pazuka, right? So I, I like Taysom Hill as a starter. I really do. And we need to win football games, right? And to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, you gotta win in the trenches. And I think on both sides of the ball, we're gonna win in the trench we can win in the trenches. So I I don't see us as a Super Bowl contender this year with either at quarterback. And I, I it hurts me to say that after four years we should have kicked the door down by now, but I feel that the Saints are going to compete. I feel like they're going to be a wild card team this year, and they're going to give it their all on defense, and that's just going to how they're going to have to play. I'll tell you what I love as a Saints fan is no one's talking about them. And if, if there's anything I know about Sean Payton, like that man, like like if I were going to have another son, I might name him Sean Payton Noble. Like if we're going to be the honest. Man kicked a, he kicked an offensive <laughs> so, second, right. second half of the Super Bowl. I guess Payton. Like, so if you just give Sean all, – all he needs is one little in, right? Just one little in, and he just becomes a madman. And so I almost think being the, the team that isn't supposed to win makes Sean Payton more dangerous. I, I actually don't disagree with that. I, uh, I've kind of been giving Sean Payton my hot hand the last couple – Deservedly so. Deservedly so. He, he seems to outthink himself sometimes. And I think I th- when you don't have Drew, maybe he won't do that. When that's oh, that, that I 100% agree with. I think that with Drew, he tried to limit Drew. I, I don't think Drew's arm was as bad as some people made it out to be. I think in 20, just back in 2019, he was still a top 15 down the throw, down the field thrower, right? So I didn't think that his arm was dead, right? Like they, made it to be in New Orleans last year. So I I don't know with Sean Payton right now. I'm I'm kinda on the on the fence with him. I think he can win us a football game and I absolutely think he can lose this one. Yeah. <laughs> valid. Valid point. All right, just one more thing. Are we gonna watch the twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two football season without two of the top five quarterbacks playing Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers? Are they what what's gonna happen there? I think Deshaun Watson does not play this year. I think that Aaron Rodgers 
<laughs> exactly. I don't think there's any way Aaron Rodgers plays if he's in Green Bay. They just said he had, that he had a record-breaking deal on the table. That was a while back. That, that's been a while. That was like over a month ago. Like, that's old news. I'm just I know they, they just reported it. I get it. I mean, but I, I think we've known that. I think his beef is he, he praises guys, they release him. They release, you know. That's I mean, what I'm saying. Right. It's I, obviously not about the money. I don't think so he gets traded. So what I think is there's nothing that Green Bay can do. Obviously, if he's turning down record-breaking deals, there's nothing they can he, they can do to fortify the relationship. He he wanted a he wanted Justin Jefferson. I'm assuming last year, or at least a wide receiver that was projectable, and you draft Jordan Love. Right. That right there was the start of the. That was the beginning of the end of the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay era. And they've they've notoriously obviously it worked out with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, but notoriously not treated their veteran their veteran guys uh, quarterbacks who two of the best ever with the respect that I think both of them deserved. Obviously, it worked out very well because Aaron Rodgers became maybe the most talented quarterback ever, but it's it's still a level of respect that I think those two guys have earned and aren't being given in that organization, and it's yep. ridiculous. Matt, what do you think? What I think there? I think if Aaron Rodgers I, – I it's just one thought, honestly. I think if Aaron Rodgers wants to play football, he's going to have to play in green and gold. I, I, I think so, too. That's how I see it. I, I don't see Green Bay trading I can try to sit here and pick pick a th- pick apart his brain and guess and say that oh he's gonna play week one or he's gonna sit because he doesn't care or what what have you. But I think if he wants to play in twenty twenty one, he's gonna have to play in green and gold. And if he wants to play in twenty twenty two, he's gonna play in Denver. So that, that's yeah, I, I've heard Denver a lot. I was really hoping New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll but trade him to New Orleans. There. Here, here's the funny thing to me, right? Like, here's what I don't understand about Green Bay. Well, there's a lot of things. One. George, the whole Jordy Nelson thing, I, I'll never understand. Um, but but Love what Jordan I don't Nelson. understand is you draft Jordan Love, right? Then you, you give the, the keys to Jordan Love because Aaron's not there. But then the news comes out, which actually, like I said, was a month ago, that you offered Aaron this massive deal. So what are you telling Jordan Love? Why'd they draft him? Right. Well, here, here's the thing. And I, I actually like Jordan Love coming out of college. I, do too. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. But, but I don't think that The Packers have to make a decision. Him. Like, I think the Packers are giving, and as ironic as it sounds, and I think Aaron Rodgers deserves all the respect and whatever he wants, I think he should be granted. But I think at this point, I mean, you're 50 days out. You're a week away from training camp. I mean, O-line and D-line already reported, I think, yesterday, right? So you're, you're, a, you're a week out. I mean, you got to be ready to play football. you got to make a decision. You can't sit here and, and twiddle your thumbs hoping Rodgers comes back, right? If I'm – game planning i'm game planning jordan love as my starter unless unless they know otherwise they know that rogers is going to play right if i don't i'm game planning jordan love to start week one and i'm not going to throw in rogers the week before just because he wants to play that's personally how i feel i would do it Aaron Rodgers, you wanted to sit out and cry and like you're gonna because they've been they've been mean they've been disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers this whole offseason why would they change that to fit his narrative the week before the season starts at that point, if I'm already being mean to him, I'm like, you're not playing, dude. You wanted to sit out. You didn't do training camp. You didn't, you didn't get your reps in. I'm starting Jordan Love. I mean, it is Aaron Rodgers though. I'm right. Like, MVP. I'm, but well, in the hypothetical situation, they, Aaron Rodgers sits out for four weeks, decides to come back and Jordan loves playing at like an insane level. What do they do? That's a great question. Well, then they, they played themselves into a hole, I think. I think they should have traded Aaron Rodgers the moment this news came out. I think the moment the Denver Broncos were on the clock at number nine, they should have traded Aaron Rodgers. 
Um, uh, we thought it was going to happen. We were actually, Cam and I yeah. were sitting on our deck watching the draft that night. We were actually watching the McAfee show, it's draft thing. And I thought for sure, I just kept waiting for the call. Like, it's going to happen. It, ha- it should have happened. If you draft Jordan Love in the first round, that means you obviously like him. I like him. I think everybody likes him. And I don't, I just don't get it. Like, you could get so much value. You could have gotten so much value out of Aaron Rodgers that day. So much right. value. Should have gotten draft picks. His value probably, would have never been higher. Probably, It'll never be he higher. Probably could have gotten a, a decent current NFL player and a bunch of draft picks and run with Jordan Love, which you might have to do anyway. And I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me why they would not move him. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think that even if you were to, I, I mean, it makes no sense for them today to go and trade Aaron Rodgers because if you trade him to Denver, Right, and you trade them for their next three firsts. Well, those firsts, I'm, I'm going to pretty be happy that they're going to be late in the round instead of the ninth overall, like it was just two, three months ago. Right, so I think they've they've blown their opportunity now, and they just got to, I guess, sit here and try to convince Aaron Rodgers to come play. Yeah, I I think so too, and I, I'm I'm in agreement with you on Deshaun. I see no way, like you know, the, the NFL said they're not going to put him on the restricted list, right? Or the what is it called? The Commissioner's exempt or whatever. Which is, well, I guess right now there's no need to because you're not playing, you're not practicing. There's no need to right now. Camp just started, but you've got what? What's you have? Twenty-one suits against you. The, we all know how the legal process works in our country. Slow. It's not like this is going to be done anytime soon. You know, unless all twenty-one people say, "Oh, we made this." Up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. And it's not even that that I'm worried about. Like, let's say that did happen. He still said he didn't want to play in Houston. Like, right. we and still have another hurdle after this to get over it. I don't see why Houston would trade him on week one or week two. So, I don't I don't see there's a possible way that he plays this year. And it's sad because I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. I mean, if you want to count Tom Brady, I don't even count him anymore. But <laughs> He's at the other level, right? Right. It's, it's Mahomes and Watson and Brady. He's just Brady. <laughs> Right, and yeah, I think with Watson also, like Houston, I mean, what team is going to take Deshaun Watson? I mean, obviously, well, Rappaport said, I think it was Rappaport, so if I'm misquoting, I apologize, but I think he's the one who said there are teams who are still interested, and their thought isn't to get, um, it could have been Schrager, Peter Schrager, it's one of those two, who said that, and and their interest isn't in getting Deshaun Watson for 21-22, it's for the next 10 years. Right, that and that's obviously, I think that's a good thought, right, if Right. If these exactly. if these legal thought if these legal allegations and legal claims are proven non guilty, which I I don't have much to comment on that, but if they are, then Deshaun Watson's still one of the most valuable pieces in football. I've heard the Eagles, I heard the 49ers before they traded up for Trey Lance, I heard Washington. It, the I, Eagles I, sure seem to be the one that I keep hearing. I don't like that. I think Jalen Hurts is the future in Philadelphia. I'm sold on Jalen Hurts. He had absolutely he had me, you and Caleb throwing to throw the football to last season. He got Devonta Smith. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, you know, it's funny that I think everybody, from what I hear, it almost seems like everyone in football feels that way, except the people running the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. It makes me think even more that he's going to be good. That's right. Like, what a fucking train wreck that <laughs> coordination is. Yeah. They are so atrocious. They killed Carson Wentz's confidence. He's going to be a he's gonna be, I think he's going to have a great year. I agree. I, I, dis- I disagree with that. In all of football. I disagree with that. Why was he so indecisive last year? That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen from a quarterback. He has the talent. The talent's not gone. It was just he was making – he was second-guessing all of his decisions and always making the wrong one every game. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. This is what I'm going to say about Carson Wentz, and it's the one thing ever that me and Max Kellerman agree on. 
one thing ever. Maybe not the guy to put in your back pocket there, Matt. All I'm going to say is, is he makes two hero plays a game. It looks like Patrick Mahomes. But God forbid if he can make up his mind. He, he, and not even that. Like, he just looked different. Like, ever since that 2017 season, I don't know if it was the injuries. I don't know if it was Doug Peterson. I don't know if it was the Eagles or the Philly fans or the NFL fans or his mom. I don't know what it was in Philly. He did never – he never has looked the same. Even in his 2019 campaign where he played decent, he did not look the same. He's been on a downhill trajectory – and I, I'm out on Carson Wentz in every facet. I think he got probably the best situation to see if he is going to be the same with a good offensive line in Indy. He's got a couple weapons in Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman. T.Y. Hilton's still there. But, T.J. Uh, Hawkinson. No, he's on, the, he's on lines. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? right, yeah. They got, so, they got yeah, Jonathan right, Taylor. Yeah. He, he does. Well, he's also got Naheem Hines, and he's got guys that, you know. Well, he's got he's Jonathan got, Taylor. Who's, who's yeah, and Jonathan Wamsin, but Hines catches a bunch of balls, like a nice little safety outlet there. Right. Um, so do you think he turns into a serviceable guy that's never going to blow you away? But I, I think the problem with him is, like you said, he makes two hero plays a game, but I think he tries to make five. Right. He doesn't need to make the other three, but he tries to anyway. Right, exactly. And that, I, I don't know what to project with Carson Wentz because I think his range of outcomes is probably the most drastic from any quarterback in football. I think he could – be the worst quarterback in football and I, I do think the range of outcomes he still exists that he could be a top in football so I don't know where to sit on Carson Wentz if I were to hedge a bet I would just say I'm out I'm not gonna not gonna draft him in fantasy I'm not gonna deal with Carson Wentz I, I don't I don't need to would you draft I, him as a backup no in case no do you say no yeah okay. even though you know that one of the outcomes is he could be top 10 yeah I don't I, I don't I don't think so. I don't. I don't think I'm drafting. Him. I, 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 don't, I just don't. I don't. I just don't look like. I think in real. You know, let's let's separate NFL from fantasy for a second. Right. I think he's in a like Matt said. I think he's in a great spot in Indianapolis, but that's not a fantasy quarterback dream. It's just no, not. It's not. not what what it was when Andrew was there. It's not what it was when Peyton was. It's just you know. Yes, he has weapons, and maybe I'm wrong, but they sure seem to be a team that's going to win games. They're going to. They're going to have 14 and 15 and 16 play drives. And they're going to allow their defense to to win the game for them when it when it needs to be. Well, I another think playoff team. I think NBC playoff too. team. I did too. And I also think that Jonathan Taylor is the biggest factor on in Indianapolis. I mean, he had like 260 touches last year and was one of the top running backs in football with them, right? So he had a little cold stretch, but as soon as they actually gave him the keys and said go drive the car, he drove it better than anybody. So he did. I'm, yeah, I'm I, off. I like that team a lot, actually. I'm all for Jonathan Taylor. I'm all for the Colts as a team. I just, I just can't buy into Carson Wentz. It's hard. I, I think, I think you're in the majority. I think there, you know, I think there is a lot of pressure on him, but I think there's a lot of, you know, what's cautious optimism from and Colts also, fans. Also, here's the thing: if you're Carson Wentz, um, there's a lot of guys who played like he did last year and never got another shot. He has right. His fans, he has his franchise. Right. I mean, go I'm do it. You're right. What go do it. You got a chance. The second I mean, line. look at all the great quarterbacks who have gone through there. They know how to handle a quarterback in that organization. Always, always have handled them well. So go do it. And, and he's in a good spot with with his head coach. I mean, I think you know, I think you're in a really good spot there with that. So. He literally got the best situation he could have. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. All right, that was awesome. That was awesome to talk about football. Like I'm, I'm I know I'm I, I'm more geeked about the NFL season than the NCAA season. So it's going to be awesome to have you on quite often so we can talk about this because I'm really excited about that. Let's switch gears real quick to the MLB. 
All right, because obviously we are in the the, the heat of it right right now. Yes. Um, just a couple news points just to get out there to our listeners and everybody. Uh, looks like maybe Castellanos won't play this weekend. Micro fracture uh, of his wrist. That sucks. I, that sucks. I mean, you know, maybe it's a good break for the. I mean, no, no pun intended. As long as Jesse Winters no pun intended there. there. No but you know, he has killed the Cardinals. So going into to Cincinnati, maybe we get it, maybe we get help there. But I, I am. I am one of the minorities. I think Caleb's with me here. Man, I don't know how you feel, Nugget, your take. I am a massive Nick Cassianos fan. Yeah, I, I like Nick Cassianos. I liked him back in Detroit. So I, I don't know how to feel about Daniel Central. I, I'm stuck. I don't know if, what the Cardinals <laughs> should do. or the, I think the Cubs are going to sell, but who knows, right? So, the Cubs yeah. are in full sale. And, and, well, they've, got, they've got a um, – what's it, what's it called? What's it, oh, they got a garage sale sign pointing towards Wrigley Field. <laughs> They're 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 getting people out. They're not. You All can't right. trade Jock Peterson and then not. Let, let, we're going to get to that here in just a second. Just one more piece of uh, of info: the Dodgers acquired outfielder Billy McKinney from the Mets today. Um, so we know that Good he's, prob- he's probably going to go hit three forty there. He'll probably hit twenty <laughs> August. He's a good and player. He is a good player. I'm just saying that's what happens in LA. I can't believe the Mets, the Mets and the Dodgers making a trade. Yeah, player. that's crazy because they're both you know, they're both looking to add. Yeah. So I guess I mean the best that means Stevie Cohen's got some of his sleep coming soon. Yeah, I, I think it also tells me that Mookie Betts' injury might be a little bit more serious than what I, that's on. what I was thinking. That's exactly yeah. what I was that's thinking. So that, that's what I that's what I read out of that. I think they also want to do as much as they can to get Chris Taylor on the infield at second base and get him out of the outfield. Well, like that was. Well, I, I, I mean, I mean when's Corey Seager coming back? That's right. got a lot of things up in the I, air. I right think now. that's the problem. And as like, dominant as I think they're gonna back. be, it seems like everything has gone against him this year. Yep. Uh, we won't get into too much into Trevor Bauer, but all that shit is going on. Yeah, I don't even want to talk and about that. And then you got Corey Seager's injury. Bellinger broke his leg. Yep. And he's and been back, be but he hasn't been tonight. Bellinger. Okay. It's been a weird year for them over there in L.A. Um, big win for the Cardinals tonight. I was, I will tell you both, I was legitimately ready to come on tonight and just say I'm done with them. Like, I've been a fan <laughs> since 1982. I remember the World Series. I was eight years old. My dad let me watch the World Series. That was kind of my introduction to baseball. Willie McGee is still my favorite Cardinal of all time. I was ready to come on the air and literally announce my divorce from the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> I am not lying. I would. I was. I. I you, you know, your generation. Both you guys are about the same age. The generation of of loving players versus teams. I was about to just go all in on that. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that so much. If you if you can't if you can't stick with it when they're bad, they do deserve deserve their good days. Well, maybe I don't. But, but that's that being said, right now. I fully plan on blasting all of them right now <laughs> because I just can't understand how a team can be so mind. It seems like and this is the thing I was thinking today. I was at work and I was bored out of my mind, so I was just thinking about baseball. Um, everything that we would have said that they needed to do to be a good team this year has happened. Mm-hmm. Barry Bader and O'Neill have stepped up. Oh, huge. Yeah. Um. We got Nolan fucking Arenado. <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt's been Paul Goldschmidt again lately. Tommy Edmond hasn't been great lately, but he had a good start to the year. He's serviceable. Dylan, Dylan Carlson right. has been good. really good. Everything that we would have said if this happens, that we might be a World Series contender, has happened, and we're not. We're on the verge of not being a playoff contender. And we're seven games out. And I just don't. I in my in my head, it's like, what is going on? It has to be. It seems like there. It's almost like you took a team of individual players. And they're not a team. Yeah. Because they do, like, you have one hit, one, everyone has two hits a game, but it's just spread out through nine innings. And I just don't, I don't understand it. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Matt, what are your thoughts on the Cardinals? Oh, 
I think we're a lot away. I think we are a lot away. I just I can't buy into the notion that as soon as Flaherty and Michael has come back, we're all automatic contenders. I can't buy into the notion that acquiring Arenado was all we needed. I I still think we need more, and I think some of it actually falls on the coaching staff. I don't think Mike Schilt is a good coach. I don't think that Jeff Albert has done a necessarily good job, and I don't understand why every single time I've – thought about it it hurts my brain to think that why do hitters come to st louis and get worse i i just don't understand and they leave it. and get better i i just yeah and i just i just don't understand it. i mean the one exception was matt holiday i think he came here it was it was still good but outside of that i can't think of another hitter that came to st louis and was drastically better i agree and i have been saying this for four years now and people look at me like i have two heads but it is true and it, there are questions that i believe need to be asked like we don't know what Matthew Libertor is going to become right so everybody and I was one shouting from the rooftops oh my god why do we give up on Randy look I get it he was filmed show when he shouldn't have I still think that stuff there's fam's gone right fam piped off they got rid of him a Rosarina does that Adoles Garcia Garcia third do what I said Adoles Garcia yeah right like I think there could be something to that I don't know I, I'm not in that. I'm not in they that organization. The way, That's going to get me going. It, on the what about Colton Wong? Stop saying that. It is such <laughs> a weird thing to me. The Cardinal way. Well, what the hell is the Cardinal way? Because the Cardinal way used to be, don't accept mediocrity. They never accepted mediocrity. Either they sucked, right. or they were great. Now they're the most mediocre team I have ever seen in my life. It is so crazy to me how you can get. You win a series against the Giants. Two of them recently. You have you can put the Cubs away. They have an opportunity this week to send Chris Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo, maybe all three out of Chicago this week, and you lose and six to one. <laughs> you're up six. Say, to- you're up six to one, and you lose. How how does that happen? Why is Luis Garcia on a major league roster? He got DFA'd by the Phillies. If you can't <laughs> pitch on the Phillies in the bullpen, you can't pitch in AAA in the bullpen. So I just don't. It is so like Justin Miller has has, has a great inning. Looks. Dominant his stuff is disgusting. And you say, oh, well, you know what? We're just going to take him out because it's either Gallegos or it's Luis Garcia. No, it's not. You have other guys in the bullpen. I don't know how TJ McFarland did what he did tonight, but that was also stupid. <laughs> but it worked, so we'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah. I uh, just – I don't what understand. Really I, me crazy. What, what bothered me the most last night was his post-game press conference, Schultz. Like, the guy asked a question, right? And then he says, well, what would you do? And he says, well, I probably would have gone to Guy, which, by the way, I was screaming in here. I would have started with Gallegos <laughs> in the ninth inning. If you didn't, if you didn't keep Justin Miller, Justin Miller was if you nice. didn't keep Justin Miller in, Gallegos was to play. And he's like, well, I would have gone to Gallegos or Reyes. And Mike Schilt loses it and says, those guys every night. But you can't. But hold on. Well, he just did that in that game. He threw them all. Well, he just threw them in the wrong order. Here's the problem. Here's the problem I'm having with it. Well, don't come out and say okay, I can't can throw I, them every night I, when you just threw them. I, the thing that was so obvious, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, what, what are you doing, Mike? Okay. The thing that was so obvious to me of why you keep Justin Miller in, the three batter minimum rule. So Justin Miller goes out there and looks looks shitty. He has up two. You can you can take him out whenever you want. Luis Garcia goes out there, and to be fair to Luis Garcia, he struck the guy he out. Did. He did. Yachty, I don't know if he just had a great moment, but goddamn, catch the ball. Right. Or at least block down and get down and get yeah, He has had ball. a lot of lazy he, moments this if year. If he is too tired to be able to play as much as he's playing, then he needs to sit. It's that simple. Or it's either his talent level's not there or his focus isn't there. It's one of the two, or whatever one it is, they got to figure it out and address it. But 
Um, if you if you leave Justin Miller in, you can take him out whenever you want for Gallegos for Reyes. Who, by the way, Gallegos doesn't walk people. So you bring in Reyes with three guys on when you know he lets the first two guys on every time he's pitching anyway, <laughs> and just finds ways out of it. Why would that in your head make any sense? And say Gallegos comes in and gives up two runs, still a safe situation. Still bring in Reyes. There were so many options, and he chose literally, like almost purposefully, it seems like chose all of the wrong ones. Like in at my the same opinion, time. Uh, as a as a former again, high school. <laughs> Let's relax here. But as a former coach, Luis Garcia is the guy that's on your roster that you throw when you're losing twelve to one or you're or winning. winning well, that's it. Hold on, that's it. It's not the ninth inning of a six one game when you are in a pennant race. Because six to one sounds like a lot. It's not twelve and to let's, one. Let's calm down on that. We're not in a pennant race. We're trying to get Well, into no, it. we are. We are because the Brewers are letting us back in. We're into trying it. to get into it. But what I'm saying is that's why he's on your he's your twenty sixth man outside of Kisner, who they won't play because he's a catcher. But that's that's why Luis Garcia is on there. So either you leave Miller in or you bring in but but to be fair to Luis Garcia. Yachty has to make that play. Paul DeYoung does too. And Paul DeYoung has to make that play. So that's two outs right there that he probably yeah. could have gotten. And that poor guy's ERA now is 27. But you don't go to the guy with a 27 ERA anyway when you're up 6-1. to one. You just no, don't do it. No. Matt, what do you think? I Yeah, I, I agree, actually. I think that there was a bunch of other options. And I also think that it's just – I think there's just fundamental problems in St. Louis right now. I don't think it, it's an every night basis that I can expect this team to win a ball game. It's not an every night basis. I expect a certain player to get a hit. It's it's tragic that you don't have a solid five hitter after after Arenado and Goldschmidt. It's it's tragic. Uh, O'Neal too. I, I do think I, I think O'Neill has made massive progress. He's incredible. Yeah. He just he's the most Should have been an all-star. He game. is the most consistent hitter on the team. <laughs> Seriously. And I, I don't, he I don't disagree with that. Slump the whole year, uh, besides the first two weeks, right? And every other player, no one goes on a slump once every three weeks. Goldie was in that lull for a month. And Carlson, we saw him; he's breaking out of it now. Yeah, but he was on one. The only guy who's been consistently with the team and performing is Tyler O'Neill. Every night, I mean, he doesn't go out there for three straight games and look like he does not hit a baseball. He gets. I don't remember the last time he was hitless in a series. Well, he had that. He had that funk where we were. Where we in L.A. Maybe where he had that little funk. But then he's facing L.A. Pitcher. Right, right. But before that, he was in Arizona and hit five bombs. Right. So he's been the most consistent hitter on the team. He needs to be batting second, and Yadi needs to move as far away from, from the, the five hole <laughs> yes. as you could possibly get him. No, I, I wish I could scream that in Mike Shields here. Which is make any sense. I mean, but he won the game for us tonight, so right. Whatever. That's true. Fair enough. Whatever. If he know. wasn't there, <laughs> well, so I agree that Tyler O'Neill's been actually. Massive improvement. I actually was not on the Tyler O'Neill fan bus, truck, train, boat, ever. <laughs> so, right. I don't think anyone was. Right. So I, but it, I think that's the problem. I mean, he's your fifth hitter. I, I would much rather be more comfortable if he was my sixth. Like he's our four hitter. He's yeah. Four yeah. Tyler O'Neill needs to be in the number two slot every well, night. Yeah, there's no reason Goldschmidt's batting to it. I, yeah. I don't. There, no that doesn't fathom where in my head makes sense. I don't know. No, it actually. doesn't. And the, the only person that makes sense to evidently is Jeff Albert and, and Mike Schultz. Those are the only two people. And I know that Goldie's been hot, and I know that the people will come out of the woodwork. Because, listen, I've gotten blocked on Cardinal sites for, for even mentioning that I don't think Goldie should hit second. But they get mad at me. The people, the, the, the Cardinal fans out there do not like me. I do. Goldie, Goldie hits a double today. If Nolan was hitting in the three spot like Nolan has hit this whole career, it would he, almost, he isn't in the three spot. I, I know he's in the three spot. If he was oh, hitting I see, in the I three see spot like he can, yeah. 
then that move would make some sort of sense. But to me, to not have Goldie behind Nolan when Nolan's struggling so bad, he's not getting anything to hit. And if you put Tyler in front of him, please give Tyler O'Neill fastballs. He has like the quickest hands I've ever seen. He's quick hands. Sometimes his hands are so quick that it's weird to me. But in his swing, and sometimes it hurts. His swing, sometimes his hands are too quick. Yeah, Yeah. his swing—it's changed so drastically. He's had that weird like chop. It's actually like generally looks like a good baseball swing. It does. Him and Bader both have made strides that I didn't think either of them had in them, but it hasn't mattered, which is so weird. And the thing is, we've seen Paul DeYoung get hot in July, and that's the key to me. That's your number five hitter, who is the key to this team if he is going. Because then what you do is you can put Bader in that sixth slot. Yachty in the seven hole, Tommy in the eight hole. That's a pretty, that's a pretty damn good lineup, especially in the NL Central. What do you think, Matt? I agree with that, and that's another thing. Is Paul DeYoung? I was beginning of the season. I was proclaiming the, my love for Paul DeYoung. I absolutely <laughs> loved him, and I was telling people, I was like, "Oh, I'd rather have Paul DeYoung at his cheap contract than Lindor at his most expensive." And I was that's all over. Ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> Well, no, well, I, I money wise, but yes, it's not. Well, our yes, it, it, now it looks ridiculous as he's batting one ninety five. Right, but I, I just don't. Again, I just don't see how even if this lineup is all clicking, which I don't see ever happening this season. If it is all clicking, I don't still don't. I still think we're a piece away. I it's still, all, yeah, it's been clicking the last three days. Today was a little bit tougher. Well, you say it's Kyle Hendricks. That's Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks. But the last two days, they were they were the opposite of the problem. They all clicked. Yeah. All of them. They had reduction up and down the order. Mainly because of Harrison Bader. I do. When you I, have Bader, I'm not. Oh, sorry. I'm, when you have Bader down there, here's my question to you. I understand. I I wish I could stop getting hopeful, but I just always do. And it's a problem that I have. But if they are able to win tomorrow, and then they go in and take – they play a three-game set against Cincy. You get three. They take two of three, then – and what – then what are we looking at? Are we looking – that's three? That's – Well, that's putting a lot of pressure on four out of five lot. series wins, and the ones they didn't win would have been – it was a split with the Cubs. Right. That they probably would have won because Wayno was going the next day. So, do we now believe that they've turned a corner, or is it a fluke that they're beating? They beat two. I mean, they beat the Giants twice. A really good it's baseball good series. Yeah, it's a really, team. really hard team to beat. Yeah. They just play the game the right way. Their hitting sucks. I don't know how they're so good, but they just win games. So I don't. I don't know if I can believe that they're gonna. I don't. I don't think the team is bad by any means, and I don't really think it's average. I think they have above average talent. That's performing like average talent, and it's weird to me. So I'm I'm on the fence with that. And if I were like like I said, if I were to bet on that, I would say it'd be a fluke. Like back in '11, we saw a team almost kind of similar to the way we have it now, with Pujols and Berkman, and then not really much threats. Like you're scared to pitch to them after that. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, so you had Holiday as well. Maybe another like I said that other piece that that could rejuvenate an offense. And as soon as '11 got hot. They could make that run. I don't think the Cardinals can get hot and make a, a three to four week run that's going to be necessary to make us contenders. And that's why I'm not necessarily contingent on selling Gorman or Libertor or any of our key pieces down in down in the minors to to sell into the season. I, I think I would just hold Pat. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I do think it's and Kevin and I were talking about this earlier. I think what's really interesting also is I think we played the Brewers ten or twelve times in the next month and a half. I mean that's there that's that could be your year. You can't go six and six. Well, that is your year. Right. So, you know, I here's what I think. If if and, and we had Mike Godar on last week and, and, and he was talking about this as well, and I agree. We are in a spot now by getting Nolan that it's gonna maybe force ownership's hand because we've seen them stand pat 
for years since really the holiday. We're gonna be honest. Since the holiday deal and then, and, and, and this, right, and then the deal in 2011, because you had a guy like Tony who would go kick in the door and say, "I'm not he walking." Really I, okay, that's not what we're talking about right now. So, but he would go kick <laughs> in the door, and then he would say, "I'm not leaving until you give me the guys I want." And then we didn't hire Terry Trancona. What well, that can go on and on and on. But this year, I think it might be valid to say, "You, you how are you going to go in and look at Nolan Arenado and say we're just standing pat?" And I, I think honestly. With the amount of people that are going to be available out there, I think you can probably add two pieces to this team. Plus, you're getting Jack and Miles back and Ponce. Let's not forget Ponce, Ponce who is dominating in the, in the bullpen there at the end before he got hurt. Wait. But I think you can add maybe a bullpen piece, maybe a starter, and maybe a bat without having to give up Libertor or or I don't, Norman. I don't think we need. I don't think we need to add a um, bullpen piece. I think when Jordan Hicks comes back, he's the guy you want to add. I don't know if you're getting him back this year. They're they said they said he's quietly like coming back. Like yeah, mid August, yeah. coming back. Well, I mean, so but I think and there's two ways to look at that Nolan Arenado thing. One is excitement. If that is the case, and they're like pre- they feel pressure to make a move, it's exciting to see what they could possibly grab and do. Right. Two, all of our trades bites in the ass. We either <laughs> get someone who, I mean, the Nolan one was great, the Goldie one was great. We're gonna take either of those two things away. Marcelo Zuna, we gave we gave away this year. Really, honestly, if you look at it, Zach Gallon and Alcantara on this team, we're competing with the Brewers, maybe ahead of them. Right, but so I don't. If Gourmet or Libertor are traded, I'm selling all my Cardinals stuff because <laughs> those two guys batting one was batting Gourmet was batting third in the Futures game, and Libertor was starting it. Yeah, and if you trade either out. of those two, well, two of them, two of them. If you sorry. trade either of those two guys, which they, I don't think they will. I don't either because they're both white. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but um, if you trade either of those two guys, we, can we cut that out. I don't if know. If you trade either of those two guys, then I'm gonna I'm gonna be very upset. <laughs> But I, I kind of want to trade – Yvonne Herrera is a guy that I'm not high on at all. I don't think they're going to trade people him. Are, they love him. He's been like 250 in the minors every year he's played. I think he's a guy that a lot of guys I, – I don't know. I don't, the thing. I I don't know who we still... can get that can drastically change. Because I, I was talking to – Joey Gallo. There's like, what, hold on, what, Matt? Joey Gallo. Yeah, we, we're in agreement yes. there. But Joey Gallo is going to require a lot because the Padres want him. They have one of the best farm systems in baseball. The Yankees want him. I don't think they're willing to give up what they don't need tell to me the Padres are about to add Joey Gallo. If the Padres get Joey Gallo, um, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah, that's Joey Gallo obviously solves almost every problem this team has. But so does one of his best know, friends you know who's what, on that same team. You know what hurts that really Kyle Gibson. You know what hurts that really bad though? <laughs> Bader and O'Neill, we were just talking about how it's awesome they're doing well. That's why they're not going to get Joey that's, Gallo. I agree. And Joey Gallo can play first base, but we have Paul Goldschmidt. So there's nowhere to put Joey Gallo that this team is going to be like, oh, that's worth giving up. And I can't even blame him. I wouldn't give up Gorman for Gallo. I'm going to give you the name. I'm going to give you the name. I love Joey Gallo. Don't get me wrong. I, do I don't think the Texas sells him. They've got the new stadium. They've got Garcia. He's they've got lost eight in a row, though. Do what, bud? I think they've lost now six, eight in a row. Yeah, oh, I'm, they're not playing for this year. Don't get me wrong. But they have a pretty good right. farm system. They evidently just had, a, I mean, what by all accounts, a really good draft. They've got a ton of money to spend yeah. in the free agent market. I think they're going to build around a Joey Gallup. Maybe they maybe they trade him. I don't know. I can be wrong. The guy is Trevor Story. That is the guy. He's no one's best friend. It moves. It, it does two things for me. And I and you're going to argue. Caleb's going to yell at me and argue with me. And I like Tommy Edmund. I love the story. I love his hustle. But I agree with other move people. Move him to the bench. He's best used as a Jose Oquendo type, right? Going back to the 80s. 
you put Story at short and you move Pauly D to second, your lineup just becomes dramatically better. Hold on, dramatically better. I I actually agree with that. I I love Trevor Story. I just don't love the fact that it blocks Nolan Gorman. I don't think it does. I don't think it does, and here's why. Because I still believe that you could trade Paul DeYoung and get value for him. I think him. you would have to trade him for Story. Well, you might have to. What that, a, that, and you'd that, have to probably some of the salary. But if you want Trevor Story, and you you think he makes you a contender instantly this year. Absolutely. If like, get, if, I'm if talking you, World Series contender. Absolutely. So are you willing to give up prospects for a guy that you can give, I, you can sign next year and keep all the guys you already have? So I don't think you have to give up Libertor or Gorman. You do because someone's going to want to get him. Oakland's going to want him. Um, White Sox are probably going to be in on it because they can move anyone second base. There's going to be a lot of teams that are one Trevor Story away from legitimately probably winning the World Series. We'll see. And I don't think we are one Trevor Story away. Because you look at, we scored six runs last night. Is Trevor Story going to make a score seven or eight? Probably not. So we scored six runs last night. We still don't win. So is he going to solve all the problems? No, not hardly because one, the problems lie in our pitching staff and our coaching yeah, staff. One thing I know about baseball, and, and the coaching staff stuff is valid, but one thing I know about baseball, as I was about to come on, Aaron, and just completely announce my divorce from this team, now I've changed my mind thanks to a yacht again. <laughs> right? So talk to me again tomorrow at about 10, and the blood 10, save 10 p.m. Almost. and we'll see what happens. However, however, right, what I know about baseball is you get into the playoffs and we know that anything can happen. Right, nobody would have thought a Mark Zepchinski, an Octavio Dotel, an Edwin Jackson would have put you over the top to win a World Series in '11. And I know that was an '83 win team. I I understand all of that, right? Well, but you got in, you beat the Phillies, who nobody thought they were going to beat. Not. Right? Yeah. Then then what did you Milwaukee. beat the, Na- the Nationals? No, Milwaukee. No, that was 2013. Was that the Dodgers? Um, we you beat Milwaukee. Dodgers. No Brewers. Brewers. I apologize. Brewers. Yep. And then the Rangers, who no one should have beaten. So all I'm saying is, if you get Trevor Story on this team, and I understand the argument that other teams might be looking at him, that's my guy right now. Because you're getting Jack, you're getting Miles, and you're getting Ponce back. And what that does is, that gets rid of the TJ McFarlands, it gets rid of the Luis Garcias, it get, it moves Wade LeBlanc back into the bullpen. To me, it just, it, like, it's, it's a domino effect that, Really does it, it moves Wayno to your number three or your number four? So and that, that changes it, everything. It ignites the team too. Yes, but the problem is something that this team I think could use. How much criticism yes. did the Rockies get for what they got back from Nolan Arenado? I know. I so understand. now, now if they're going to trade us Trevor Story, do you think they want the headline of us placing them two times? We would have to give up Gorman. I think that's a valid point to get Trevor Story. If I actually think would you. I, then I, I think I would give up Gorman to no. get Trevor Story. No, you wouldn't. Because once yes, again, I would. You can keep Gorman, and if you really want Trevor Story that bad, you go as aggressive at him next year as you can in the offseason. Because you, you, you can pitch, you can you, pitch Nolan Arenado, Goldie, and all those guys hitting around Trevor Story to him and give him $300 million because that's what he's going to get. But you cannot validate that to me, especially especially if we don't win a World Series. Because if we don't win a World Series this year, and we give up Gorman for Trevor Story that we could have signed the next year anyway, that is as ignorant of a move as you can make. I disagree. You, you play for today, you don't worry about, and you worry about tomorrow. tomorrow. But if you don't win, then it's like you gave up some okay. guy who, by the way, Nolan Gorman Imagine, and Colorado on, would on. become As a player, player, and I'm going to throw this out to both of you guys, and then, and then we'll get out of here, all right? As a player, you're in, that, you're in that dugout, and you're fighting every day to win. And you see management and ownership say, we believe in you guys. We just went out and got potentially the best guy on the market. 
That potentially to, is. Okay, to help you. You don't think that that – if that doesn't – okay, if that doesn't fire that dugout out up, then I then then we have a whole bigger problem. And that's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is you bring Trevor Story into St. Louis, who is best friends with Nolan. You put him in that dugout. You put him in that lineup. You add him to what we already have. And I'm telling you, you get Jack back. You get Miles back. You get Ponce back. You get Dakota. maybe Hicks back. I, I mean, Dakota. Dakota, if Dakota but, but, comes back in September and pulls a Michael Walker, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, Matt, what do you think? And then what do you think about that? Well, so you both were making some pretty valid points, but I think I was absolutely just convinced. I think if it costs Nolan Gorman, you make the deal. And actually, it actually sends back to my previous argument, which was against it, because it clogs up Gorman. It actually kind of makes sense. I would much rather have the now and the no and and not have to question if Nolan Gorman is the next thing when I already have the next thing in Trevor's story, right? And, so, I, and I agree. And here's my thing on prospects, right? Yes, maybe Nolan Gorman, if we trade him, goes to Colorado and becomes a star. Who knows? But in that deal, you are getting a guy that you know. Like he's a superstar. Dude. You okay. know what I mean? You're not just getting a guy. You're not getting Kyle Gibson, right? I mean, who I like. But I'm just saying that's not – He is a guy. You're, he's a guy. You're getting Trevor's story – a game-changing bat who, who if he comes here in a trade, he's not leaving. He's not leaving. I will tell and you that right now. And that may be true, and that would be the key. If you can guarantee to lock him up, then okay, I'm in. Well, because I don't think they would Nolan trade Gorman, Gorman if they ceiling. couldn't lock him up. Hold on. What did you say, Matt? I was going to say I don't think they would trade Gorman without the know that they could lock right, him up long term. I agree. That's, Nolan Gorman's ceiling, if, it's, if that's Trevor's story, then we, that's awesome. Right. Because not many people become Trevor's story except for Trevor's story. He's top three shortstops in baseball, in my opinion. I think he's the second best. No, third best. Mine, Turner and Tatis. But I just don't know if that if that helps us if it helps us win. So it's almost like a thing where it's going to be hindsight twenty twenty because if they win You're, with it, right, then I'm okay with it. And if they can keep him, but if if they do that and Trevor Story leaves, then oh my God, I I would have a heart attack and I might drive up and meet John Jose like in a park. <laughs> I think Matt's point was valid, and it's what I will stick to here. And this will be the last thing, thing I really say about it. I think if you get Trevor's story over here with Nolan, I don't think he's leaving. I think you're the one that made that point. Well, so I no, want to say – My point was, like, getting rid of Gorman, I think it's worth it. I would That's not right. – I would try not to get rid of – I would not get rid of Libertor. No. If I, I would do all I can not to. No, you don't I would do all I can not to. Um, right. Matt – all right, buddy. What else? Anything else you want to hit on real quick? Well, I, I did want to mention that with, with the story thing, and it's Caleb was saying that if you don't win this year, I don't think that's it. I mean, you, if if you resign story, you have story or not and Goldschmidt for at least, what is it, the next three years Goldie's locked up? Yeah. Right? So you have that you have that nucleus that you have O'Neal now batting fifth. You have Bader and Carlson and uh, – O'Neal. O'Neal. Right, you have other guys that can. That can... Back. I agree with all of that. I do. I agree that Trevor Story would make this team moving forward uh, a contender for actually winning a World Series. Because recently we've been in the playoffs, we've never contended for a World Series. I don't care that we got to the NLCS. We were. If anyone thought we were winning the World Series, you were a psychopath. <laughs> but it, what I'm saying hey. is, if we don't win this year. If we go get Trevor Story, we lock him up because he wants to be here, and we trade Gorman. But we don't win. Then you could have had Gorman and Story. The next year. But you don't that know that. That is what I'm saying. But you that is don't the problem know that. You know that there's a good pitch here for Trevor Story. You know that already. And, and there is a – now I'm actually convincing myself that you're right. Because <laughs> because if someone else goes and gets Trevor Story and he loves it there, yep. then that's an extension waiting to happen. 
I don't like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Thank you. Thank I'm you. In. You Thank guys you. have convinced me. All right. I think I convinced myself. <laughs> oh, Matt, anything else you want to say, bud? Hey, this was fantastic. I just want to say that uh, I won some big money on DFS today, so it was a good day. Austin Gomber actually yes. won me some Shout money. out to you to tease his bomb and stacking the Mets. Is that what you told me? Yeah, I stacked, uh, I stacked the Mets when they went up 7-0. I had Tatis' bomb. I had a Rosarina, a Rosarina's big day. Yeah, and then Austin, Austin Gomber closed it out for me, the Cardinal, for, former Cardinal. Yeah, all right. All right. Hey, uh, listen, thanks again. Look, I, I can't give you enough shout-out for coming on here. We really, really appreciate it. This was awesome. It was good to talk some NFL. Always fun to talk the NBA and then to finish it off with the MLB. We'd love to have you on maybe next week. I know you're a busy, busy man. but uh, And then, obviously, as we get closer, I'd love to have you whenever, if your schedule allows it, to be kind of a regular on here to give our fans and our listeners uh, a nice little tip on, on DFS as well as, you know, pre-draft for fantasy football and just to talk some football and, and, and hopefully a Cardinal World Series run with Trevor Story. Yeah, it was awesome coming on, and I, I look forward to always coming on and chatting it up with you guys. It was awesome. Hey, just a reminder, man, go out, all of you. We really appreciate every single one of you. Caleb, you want to say anything else? Are you good? No, I'm good. All right, we really appreciate every one of you. Go find Matt on Twitter, at Matt2, the number, Frosty. Matt2Frosty, way better than your Salsa Verde okay, Twitter I salsa. account. I so, about yeah, it's bad. we got to fix that. Hey, don't forget, <laughs> to give us, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at more underscore noble. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you. Have a fantastic day. Um, again, Check out Matt. He's got he is super knowledgeable when it comes to fantasy football as well as just football and basketball and baseball, all sports. He's doing a fantastic job. Keep at it, dude. I'm super proud of you. Uh, as someone who sat in my class as a squirrely tenth grader, right, and then came back as a senior and killed it. It was it's awesome to see you and to follow you. I'm really proud of you, dude. Yeah, I appreciate that, and uh, I'll continue to write. I have some pretty big things coming up with the football season over on the websites I write for. So. Uh, stay tuned for that. And outside of that, I can't wait for football. And it, and uh, hopefully the Cardinals make some moves or or win some games. I mean, let's just win a few in a row. Absolutely. Hey, Matt, if you'll do me a favor, bud, if you'll send me links to everything that you write and everything else, I'm going to put them on our website and our Twitter. Yeah, I will. Will do. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, guys, once again, find us on Twitter. Uh, find us on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate everything. Give us a rating. A good one would really be nice. Uh, have a fantastic day. Look, go Cardinals. We got Kim pitching tomorrow night. Let's okay. go get one. See you, everybody. Cheers. The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know. Noble.